0: This week's podcast brought to you by Fanny Packs.
1: For the first time ever, we're having to record this podcast while the kids are at home. This is a Sunday. Both of us have to travel separately this week, so we can't record on our usual Tuesday. So we told the kids we were going to go to the basement for half an hour to record a podcast. Could we have some peace and quiet while we're doing that? And our seven-year-old said, I think, the saddest words of modern American narcissistic life, which were, mom... When you're done podcasting, can you redo my ponytail?
0: And I'll give her the best ponytail she's ever had.
2: Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.
0: I woke up in a bit of a mood this morning, and it
2: was because I
0: was still frustrated by something that happened last night. We were at a local high school girls basketball game, and the stands were pretty full. And when you walk in the gym, the visiting team sits on one side, and then the home team sits on the other. And The, si- won-
1: the signs are very clear. The f-
0: signs are very clear. Visiting team and the home team, obviously, the parents know where to sit. So we go and sit over there. And the home team parents, because we've gone to quite a few of these games, are pretty mellow. They cheer for their kids, but they don't yell at the refs. They're not obnoxious. And as I'm sitting there, I realize that there's one guy who is clearly a fan of the other team, and he's sitting in the middle of our section, and he's one of those guys who is just obnoxious, you know, questioning all the referees' calls, clapping when one of the, the girls on the other team travels. He was just loud and annoying, and which would be fine if he was sitting in his own section, but it, his whole, sole purpose last night was just to rile up the fans of the other team. And it got to the point at one point one of the players was on the ground, had possession of the ball. The coach calls a timeout, so the ref gives her the timeout. And this guy just yells, she doesn't, didn't have possession. And I don't ever say anything in the stands at these games, but I don't know why this guy got me, got under my skin. So I just said, yes, she did. And he didn't turn around and he said, no, she didn't. And so I just said, yes, she did. And he said, well, it's a matter of opinion. And you know what? No it's not. It's a matter of fact. I'm, I'm I'm sick of people just living in their own world even in this small basketball is small basketball game. No it wasn't a matter of opinion. She did have the ball. It was a timeout. Go sit in your own section. And it just got me thinking a little bit like all of us have a little bit of jerk that lives inside of us. And we and it comes out in different moments and we exert energy trying not to let the jerk out. And This guy was exerting all of his energy to be the jerk. And it was just so annoying. Just go sit in your section. What is the purpose of you just coming over here to be this person? As you can tell, I'm still riled up about it.
1: But also, when you see something that is self-evident, we all saw what happened on the court. It isn't a matter of opinion. No. It is a fact. There are some things that are facts. Yes. And that aren't open to interpretation that isn't a um, I have my view, you have your view, and it may even be part of larger society.
0: Right, and I think that's why it got to me because of, of how our world is right now and this microcosm of it at this basketball game. And the thing was, it was a great basketball game. The action back and forth, the team we were rooting for didn't win because the other team made a great play on the last possession to score. I mean, these kids were playing hard. There were some really talented players out on the floor. And I didn't like that this person, this person just causing friction, was taking away from my enjoyment of watching what was really good high school girls basketball.
1: He was the guy, if anybody's old enough to remember Schoolhouse Rock on Saturday mornings in the 70s, there was an episode about uh, interjections, and they were at a football game, and the line went, he made a connection in the other direction, and the fans started yelling out interjections and, you know, boo, hiss. And the one guy says, yay, I'm for the other team. <laughs>
0: so that was the guy.
1: And at the end of this game, too, it was a
0: little bit frustrating because the team, the opposing team, went into four corners. They had, you know, a, a four or six point lead with two or three minutes to go. So they go into four corners to to run out the clock, which is good strategy based on the rules by which they play because Connecticut is one of the many states in the country that doesn't have a 30-second shot clock. I grew up in Massachusetts. We did have the the shot clock, and it's great. Not having a shot clock is a disservice to high school basketball players because I heard in in, in two separate instances recently, two separate high school boys teams implemented the four corners for the entire game. They knew they weren't as good as their opponent, so their whole object was to waste clock. That's not what basketball is. And a shot clock would, would prevent that from happening. And and if any kid is going to go on to play junior college, division one, two, or three, there are shot clocks. And so they need them in high school. In
1: fairness, if any kid is going to play for Dean Smith in 1981, (laughs) he will be well prepared.
0: Right, exactly. We are not preparing the kids of today to play the basketball at the collegiate level that it's played at today. So that's frustrating. But that was not my frustration at the game last night. It was this buffoon sitting in the opposing team section. His whole reason to exist was to rile up the other fans. Um, or perhaps maybe his wife just said, I can't sit next to you any longer. You have to go sit over there, which is probably a good a good chance that that was the case.
1: Thank goodness for this podcast, because if it didn't exist, Rebecca would be standing in front of the post office in our town <laughs> talking about the need for a shot clock. <laughs>
0: holding my sign the apocalypse
1: is coming we need a shot clock or perhaps driving in a in a panel van with a bullhorn on top <laughs> talking about the the shot clock i'm one of those people and partly due to our kids age our oldest is still only 13 where i will applaud a nice shot or a nice play by somebody on the other team just because the 7 or 9 or 12 year old kid on the who made the nice play is on the other team. I think it's still okay to applaud them for it.
0: Yeah. I had that case in, in the game yesterday. Our uh, our 11-year-old pl- was playing. It was a really good game, two um, well-matched teams. We, we ended up losing the game. But um, a kid on the other team just made this beautiful pass that, that resulted in a shot. And you just say, wow, nice pass. And, and like, that's okay. It's, it's, it's 11-year-olds playing basketball. Anyway, we're talking about me coaching some of these teams. And last week... I was uh, headed out with our 11-year-old to her practice, and I told you, I said, I'm, I'm going with Maeve to her practice. I'll be back in a couple hours. And your response was, why are you watching her
1: practice? And I said to you... We, have, we I, have railed against parents who stay for the entire practice. Right.
0: And I said to you, because I'm one of the coaches. And you looked at me and said, what? You're one of the coaches of Maeve's travel team? And I said... Yes, I am. And we started practice in November. And every single Tuesday and Wednesday afternoon since November, I have gone to her practice because I'm her coach. And this is the same team for which you have a couple times run the clock. And I said to you, when you've run the clock, haven't you noticed that I've been sitting on the bench with the coaches and
1: players? And your response was, I just thought you were. Sitting over there. Well, understand when I'm running the clock, it's like mission control at NASA, okay? <laughs> I only have to remember two buttons, but it, it fills my time.
0: Well, I, I'm still baffled though how you didn't know that I was her coach. And in your defense, on Saturdays, she has a, a bunch of away games on Saturdays, and I haven't gone to any of those games because I'm coaching one of our other kids' older teams on Saturday. So I have missed all of her Saturday games, but I've been at most of her Sunday games. And since November, I've been at every single one of her practices on Tuesday and Wednesday. So how could you possibly have not noticed that I was gone, that when when practice was over, she was coming home with me? Like, I just don't understand
1: how you didn't know that. I will answer that this way. A friend of ours the other night asked me after a basketball game, we went over to their house for pizza. The whole basketball team went over. And she said to me, Do you ever get burnt out on basketball? The answer was yes, many, many years ago. But what I should have said in in greater detail is your spouse works for an insurance company, loves what he does, is great at his job, but when he comes home at night or comes back from the road, he doesn't settle down in front of the TV where there are 12 channels devoted to insurance news on the weekend, presumably he doesn't go to his watch his kids participating in insurance related contests i do
0: you're saying your our life is a little bit of overload of basketball is that is that your well point? no i'm
1: saying i'm saying yours is and, and so that so that mine isn't i t- tend to tune out one of the four or five teams that you're coaching at any given time.
0: Well, and, and it's fair. And I was kind of laughing because at that practice, the other three coaches are all men. And uh, I said to one of them, I, I relayed this story. And, and and then I said, you know, how did we do in the games this weekend? And he said, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the schedule. I just go where my wife tells me to go. I said, oh, no, no, not this coming weekend, this past weekend. So anyway, he, he was, I, I don't know. I don't know what my weekend looks like. I just go where my wife tells me to go. And at the end of that same practice, one of the other coaches, a different dad, said to his 11-year-old daughter, am I picking up your younger sister or is your mom? And... Uh, And it was so perfect because he didn't remember exactly what his wife had told him was his next maneuver. So he was asking the 11 year old who was in charge of picking up the nine year old. So you're not alone. It's the mail way. Just wait for the, the wife to tell you where to go, forget, and
1: ask the child indeed where it is that you're supposed to be. You have to give me the laminated play card like the NFL coaches have with a spreadsheet on it telling me where I, where I have to be at any given hour during the weekend.
0: Or maybe even better, the headphones. And then I can just like a secret service agent talk into my the cuff of my shirt and tell you, all right, next you're supposed to be here or there. But it was also, you know, a uh, shows you how men and women and husbands and wives are so similar no matter where you go last week was Valentine's Day and so it was on a Wednesday that's when I'm with the other coaches the my, my three male coaches and so I was asking them you know what did you do for your wife for Valentine's Day and and one of the dads he has only daughters so he's in charge of getting the daughters their their Valentine's gift and gives whatever to his wife. And then one of the dads said to me that, he said, I I got her a bottle of wine that she likes. I was thinking, oh, that's like a really nice gift. So later on that night, his wife sent me a text and she said, uh, I heard that you were asking the guys what they got, their wives for Valentine's Day. And so her text was, quote, so to answer your question, another bottle of wine I no longer like or drink. (laughs) So I love that. It's so perfect. He thought he was getting her a bottle of wine that she likes. And according to her, it's a kind of wine. It's She drinks red wine and this was white wine. And so it's wine that at some point she liked. I don't know how many years ago, but she no longer likes it. She no longer drinks it. <laughs> But that's what he thought she but, would want. It's like when you were getting me the truffles years ago, you thought that's what I wanted. And even though I had indeed told you explicitly,
1: <laughs> but why play but this, I why no interest in that. why play this ridiculous game? Why doesn't she just tell him that she doesn't like this wine anymore and just stop getting it for me? Instead, she tells you <laughs> and, and tells is, him, oh, this is wonderful. No, no. My guess is, much like the truffles, she has told
0: him. Like, I told you explicitly, I don't really like truffles. And then the next three occasions, that's what you got for me. So my guess is she told Told him, you know, lovely gesture. But, but he, I don't drink. This. Doesn't he see he a just... seventh bottle of it on the
1: on the counter?
0: I don't know. I think she said she uses it to make sangria, and when they have people over. But I mean, it's it's perfect. Next time, he just should ask his daughter instead of asking his daughter if he's supposed to pick up the other daughter. He should just ask his daughter. Remind me, what what does mom like? And again, when we were, I was talking to another mom. And she said she's a mother of five, and she said all of her kids know that you don't get flowers from one eight hundred flowers. You and I have, have talked
1: about this before. Who would know that? And why is it such a gigantic I don't, enterprise I don't if know. nobody's getting it from there? I
0: don't know, but all of her kids, all of her kids know that, and presumably her husband does. And and it was funny because as I was talking to her, she said, you know, I she had told her husband, you know, or no, her husband said, you know, if I ever think of getting her flowers, you know, whenever I think, oh, I should get her flowers. I know, you know, a certain florist to go to. And I said, hold on a second. I can't relate to that. What do you mean whenever you just think I should get her flowers? You know, I I don't don't know that existence where a husband would just think, oh, you know what? There's no occasion. I should just get my wife flowers.
1: Here, dear, here's a a Gulfstream 5. You you didn't get this from 1-800-Gulfstream-5, did you? Well, does it matter? Yes, uh, apparently it does matter where it comes from.
0: Well, she she said something like, I think there's a frequent flower program for people. Like if you, if you have the app for it and you, oh, I just need to send my wife flowers, you can go on a frequent flower program. I like that. I actually have to say that you don't get me flowers, and that's because I don't like them. I honestly, I, I don't take good care of them. I don't change the water. And so before you know it, they're dead and they smell and the water's brown. And that says more about me than anything, but... I, I'm glad that you don't get me flowers because I generally don't like receiving them. There was them. a hit
1: song, Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand. You don't bring me flowers anymore, and it right. was it was lamenting the breakdown of a marriage, the end of a relationship. To you, it's a it's a happy, feel good song. You don't bring me flowers right, anymore, exactly. and thank God you've stopped bringing me flowers. Because
0: when you're when the next time you bring me flowers, presumably it'll be put, to put on my grave. And so you do bring me flowers is the true end of the
1: of well, our relationship. I, I will predecease you, as you know, but I, I can pre-order from one eight hundred flowers so that uh... <laughs> would you like flowers I should I've never gotten you flowers do, do
0: women ever do are there any women out there who get <laughs> I, I, men, their the, men flowers? The answer
1: is no I'm, of course I, not
0: I, yeah like what would would there be a guy who wanted flowers? I don't know so <laughs> that's where we are So for Valentine's Day, you got me a lovely box of chocolates. I don't think they're truffles. I honestly haven't even unwrapped them. And I got you a box of truffles. of truffles. You like them. So now we're at a place where we know what each other likes and we can just we can get those gifts. It's a good place to be, right? I, I think so. <laughs> you mentioned that we're taping this on a Sunday instead of a Tuesday because we'll be a bit of ships passing in the night. I, I returned from Eugene, Oregon on Tuesday. You'll be heading out to Marquette on Tuesday. So we had to do this today. And And it's a very different experience for our kids, especially our younger ones, when I am the one traveling versus when you are the one traveling. And just in terms of their hygiene, I I used to have to send emails to our daughter's teachers when they were in the younger grades before they could do their own hair and just say, just so you know, I'm going to be on the road for the next three or four days. So the kids are gonna look a little crazy their hair may not be brushed their ponytails will be out of out of whack I don't have to do that as much anymore because our older ones can do our youngest help our youngest do our hair but the other thing I noticed is your version of giving the kids a bath when they were little is very different from mine when you know if we have a kid in in the bathtub and I go in and I wash their hair put conditioner in their hair if it's a, if it's our girl I use a washcloth, I use soap, I clean them. And your version of giving the kids a bath is to fill the bathtub with water, let them sit in it for a while, and then take them out and dry them off. There's no actual cleaning going on. (laughs) When you're in charge of giving them their bath.
1: My version of giving the kids a bath is not giving them a bath. <laughs>
0: That's true, too. Often, I, I have come home from a couple-day road trip. And again, this is when our kids were little. Obviously, our older ones can can handle their own, their own hygiene now. But uh, say, you know, when's the last time you washed your hair? And they would just look at me like well when was the last time you were home because dad sure isn't making us do that and and even our son who is nine said recently to you because you went in to get him out of the bathtub and he said he needed me and uh, you said why do you need mom and his answer was I don't remember his answer was dead skin earwax and stuff and that's because I have the whole routine when I get him out of the out of the bathtub you know, earwax and stuff. I just you use a Q-tip and clean out his ears. I cut all of his fingernails and his toenails, and if he has any dead skin on his feet, I use a towel to help take some of that off. So for him, that process is dead skin, earwax, and stuff, and it's something that only apparently only I can do because he didn't even ask you to help him. And uh, so yeah, you you're still for for the little ones, you're still in the idea of they can just soak in the water for a little while and that makes them clean. <laughs> One place that I have never taken a bath is in a hotel. I have some of my colleagues who, especially if you have a really nice hotel with a big, giant bath, they might take the bath. I don't. I, I use the shower exclusively. I didn't use the hot tub. I was going to say, if you have
1: a really, really nice room <laughs> with a hot tub next to the bed.
0: With it, a sl- slippery when wet sign. And a
1: view of runway B at DTW. Right. Even then you don't take the, the Even tub? then
0: I don't take the bath. I And people who aren't tall probably don't even understand that. When I'm on the road and in a hotel shower, the only thing that matters to me more than the water pressure or anything else is the height of the shower head because I'm 6'4". And very often when I'm in a hotel on the road, the shower head is low and I have to wash my hair. That means I'm doing all these kind of calisthenics in there to, to just be able to get my head wet. But But anyway, one of the more interesting road trips that you and I have been on was for a few years when I was still playing in the WNBA and even after I was done, we went to the NBA All-Star Game. The NBA All-Star Game is happening this weekend in Los Angeles. You and I were at an All-Star Game in Los Angeles, I don't know how many years ago. That would have been my fondest or at least my most vivid memory from that All-Star Game is not even who was performing or who was playing, but when we left the game and and went to the parking garage, you, me, and Sue Bird, it took us how long to find the car? You could not remember.
1: I don't have a good track record of finding cars and garages. In fact, so bad is my record and the record of my colleagues that I remember doing a story on the Cincinnati Reds in Cincinnati, in downtown Cincinnati, Riverfront Stadium at the time, now Great American Ballpark, and uh, being unable to find my rental car in the garage and being late for the airport and getting panicky, and a photographer with me on that story said, don't worry about it. He leaves rental cars in downtown parking garages all the time. Hertz finds them. (laughs) That was at a time when when the uh, expense budget at Sports Illustrated was a little bigger and you could risk writing off the expense of a $20,000 rental car. Did you ever find it? I believe I did, but that trip And I'm not uh, kidding on this. I flew back to LaGuardia, went to my apartment, and didn't have keys to get into my apartment. And I remembered hearing in the press box at the Reds game that afternoon an announcement saying, anybody who left their keys in the dining room, come claim them. And chuckling sardonically to myself, like what kind of a pinhead leaves his keys on the dining room table. And so I slept that night on the 18th floor of the Time and Life building in the Sports Illustrated offices, on the the only office that i knew how to get into with a key the office of our boss slept on the couch and was awakened by the squeaking squeegee of the window washers doing their biannual window washing
0: so you had so that keychain just had your office keys you didn't have a car at the time in new york so right. office keys apartment keys that's unbelievable but it's but it's very you and so when but i we were, digress when we were in la you must have dropped me off or something before parking the car because i'm very good at remembering that sort of stuff you know i'll make sure to take a look around all right what color is the floor that we're on what's the number of the floor that sort
1: of thing and and then we left so instead of getting credit for a valet parking you dropping you off at the front door i'm getting dissed for no i'm
0: not i'm not dissing you i'm just this is a a memory and then after the game we i'd offered to bring sue somewhere and we spent a good close to an hour probably searching for this car you know you you had the keys so pressing like the trunk open the trying to do anything to make the lights go off and eventually we did but um that's my memory from that all-star game. And then the all-star game in Atlanta was an interesting all-star game. That was, I think, in 2003. My most vivid memory of that all-star game was in the middle of the night, having a phone call in our hotel room and a guy's voice answering the phone, a guy's voice on the other end saying, I'm looking for red with short skirt. And I remember just saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then... I'm looking for red with short skirt. So who knows who he thought he was calling. And then also that that night He or, thought he
1: was calling Celtics legend Red Hour back right? <laughs> The late Red Hour back <laughs> at that point.
0: And then that night or the the following night or something, a knock on the door at like two in the morning. I just remember going and, and opening the door. And there was a woman there and she was all hooched out in her outfit. And she clearly was at the wrong room. I think we might have been staying on the same floor as, as the N- some of the NBA players. And, uh, and she, when she looked at me like this tall woman standing in front of her, probably thinking I was the wife of an NBA player or something. And just she scurried away so quickly because clearly <laughs> perhaps she was uh, red with short skirt. I didn't notice, but... Um, it was an it was an inter- interesting interaction, <laughs> nonetheless.
1: I'm thinking of the cake song, short skirt and long jacket. She wasn't wearing a short skirt and a long jacket, was she?
0: <laughs> Perhaps she was. That's hey, funny
1: that that's your most vivid memory because I was there with you in Atlanta, and I have a a more vivid memory of being at the post game Saturday night party after the events of the dunk contest and all that Saturday this night. Is Saturday commissioner
0: night. David Stern. He was the commissioner then at the time. It was David his Stern, his party, yeah. party.
1: I was your plus one. We were in this reception room at at the arena in Atlanta, and there were about a hundred people in there, and everybody's just making idle chit chat as they do. and in walked former President Bill Clinton with the actor, comedian Chris Tucker. They were hanging out together, and uh, everybody kind of looked away and acted like he hadn't just walked into the room. So I said to you, "You've met him many times. you've your old friends go say hello, so I can then talk to him." Before you could do that, he strode right over to you. Hello, Rebecca, how's it going? So good to see you. And then said, I was introduced, you two are getting married. That's great news. If I could give you just one piece of marital advice and, uh, you know, have as many kids as you can. They'll take care of you in your old age. That's my Clinton impression. And I was just thinking, this is unbelievable. I'm getting marital advice from Bill Clinton. It was it was amazing. Hey, but what? but That was my more vivid memory, even than the phone calls. Even
0: than the phone calls and and the uh, red with short skirt. And then
1: immediately after that happened, a photographer took a picture of the three of us, and then he looked at the composition of the photograph, pointed at me, and brushed me out of the frame.
0: Told you to get out of the picture. And we still have that picture somewhere. I uh, I should try to find it. I think we may have made that our Christmas card that year, because that was before kids when we just, every year, we just, Tried to do something a little bit and, silly and, with and, our Christmas cards, and, and
1: even more remarkable than that, it was also Bill Clinton's Christmas card <laughs> that year, which I thought was sweet. And I have a rule when I have a picture taken with somebody like that. People say, "Well, why don't you display these photos?" You know, you've got you've met all these people, and I say my rule is would the other person in the picture be displaying that photo? So unless this is hanging in Bill Clinton's bathroom, it's not going up in mine.
0: That makes me think of our Christmas card this year. It was a picture that was taken at the Hall of Fame induction, and it's you and me and and the four kids. It was just a nice family picture. So we used it for our Christmas card, but it was when we were kind of walking up the red carpet to go into Springfield Symphony Hall. And so in the picture, because they were right behind us, is Lenny Wilkins, the former NBA great, and Muffet McGraw and her husband Matt are also in our Christmas card picture and they probably don't want to be in our Christmas card picture and when I see when I see coach McGraw next I'm going to have to apologize that I didn't ask her permission to have her in our Christmas card I think card. we'll
1: be hearing from Lenny Wilkins's attorney we're we're, <laughs> we're using his uh, identity rights or whatever they call them but the first year that we had our eldest daughter was we had one child the Christmas card I don't know if you remember this was a photograph of our then Eleven month old, you and me, and NBA Hall of Famer, NBA Legend, Celtic Great Bill Russell.
0: I forget how how did that picture come to be. We
1: were just We we were at Love Airfield in Dallas. That's right. And we
0: were we were doing an NBA care. I was doing an NBA cares thing, and so there was a bunch of NBA guys that were there as well. And so we had our picture with Bill Russell, and I think the Christmas card said. Merry Christmas from the Russians, Steve, Rebecca, Siobhan, and Bill.
1: (laughs) We don't do that anymore. It didn't say Merry Christmas. It said Hoopy Holidays.
0: Oh, Hoopy Holidays. There we go. I, I have a feeling you came up with that one. All right. It's time now for viewer mail. Kevin mentioned that you talked about the 1975 Topps collection in our last podcast. Just quickly, that that would be the thing you would take in an Armageddon situation, the,
1: the nineteen one... seventy-five
0: tops set. Top set. I'm sorry, it's not a collection; it's a set. Okay, he said, was that an off-the-cuff remark, or is that truly your favorite tops set? Kevin,
1: nineteen seventy-four and nineteen seventy-five were my prime tops collecting years, and and those are my two favorite sets of the two. The nineteen seventy-five is the more beautiful of the cards. The multi the two-color. Thing everybody who knows what a 1975 tops looks like knows what I'm talking about,
0: which means not a single woman who's listening. Go ahead,
1: or a married woman who's listening, for that matter. But um, so, in a, <laughs> if I had to put three things in my go bag in the event of the apocalypse, I would. Probably, two of those would be the 74 and 75 tops sets.
0: I think that's one of the probably many things that women can't understand. Like, what is the thrill? What What is it about collecting baseball cards for boys? I mean, there's, I don't know that there's an equivalent for girls that, oh, you know, I've got the 74 or 75 set. Not that any woman would understand the difference between a 1974 set and a 77 set or whatever. Like, it's just, that's just one of those things, oh, I what's guess. Well,
1: what's in your go bag?
0: I don't know. We already talked about that, but this this is more of a conversation on, on the baseball card. So anyway, so, so you've just answered Kevin. And then I had WBB fanatic, women's basketball fanatic, mentioned that fanny packs are back in because a long ago in one of our podcasts, we had mentioned the fanny packs that come with, if you join triple, not AAA, if you join the AARP, she said her 21-year-old bought one for travel. So fanny packs are back in. How do you feel about fanny packs being back in?
1: Well, it makes me want to sign up for ARP now to get the (laughs) uh, fanny pack with the ARP (laughs) logo on it. I mean, and if, then and then gallivant around Europe with it, you know, just kind of uh, taking pictures and wearing tall and if socks.
0: If you're not in Europe, can you wear it here? Like, I mean, what would you put in? I guess maybe.
1: I'd put a 1975
0: top set. <laughs> and you know what? Is it much worse than the, than the the clip for your phone? You know how they have the clips no, no, that you can put on bad, your belt for your phone? It's like you're taking your phone out of the holster to to make that important. Here's call. what I'm
1: going to do. I'm going to get a fanny pack and I'm going to. I'm going to get a lot of survival supplies to put in That will be my, my Go fanny pack. My Go pack will be
0: uh, and what a will fanny those, pack. what will those supplies be? They'll just like be
1: wallet-sized s- photographs of my loved ones and, uh, and like flares. <laughs> Everybody seems to need flares in these events. I'm not sure why. And a granola bar.
0: Okay, there you go. Flares, a granola bar, and uh, and the photos.
1: Our, our, I, who I'm coming to think of as the ball and chain uh, medical expert. You know, these shows always need... Experts on various types. We've, we've got our own Dr. Gary Siegel, who we like and who who writes occasionally. Interestingly, we have our, the show was produced He's by... He's an OB. The show was produced by Denny with one N. Mm-hmm. Gary is Gary with two R's. So I think we're reaching some kind of an equilibrium, a, a consonant equilibrium. Not sartorial sobriety, but... Not constant, a
0: constant equilibrium, a consonant equilibrium. A consonant equilibrium, equilibrium,
1: yes. But Dr. Gary with two R's, Siegel writes, Steve, pinching a massively pregnant woman's nose probably has made your dear departed mother roll over in her grave. You can do that to your brothers, but not your wife, maybe to a sister.
0: First of all, I don't think I ever described myself as massively pregnant or massive and pregnant. But yes, he's, that's, there you go. The OB says it's not okay for you to pinch the nose of a massively pregnant woman. So if anyone out there is considering doing it to stop their wife from snoring, don't.
1: OB, Gary Siegel says it's not okay. (laughs) Gary Siegel's not just an OB, he's an OG.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of, you mentioned sartorial sobriety, Denny with one N, our producer, in his tweet about our podcast last week said, I'm not sure what sartorial sobriety is. So there you go. There's probably lots of people who don't know what sartorial sobriety is. Well, I'm sure there's lots of people
1: in our audience who don't know what sobriety is, (laughs) period. (laughs) Especially if they're on a flight early in the morning. It just means a a muted form of dress, mode of dress. So Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski were not exhibiting sartorial sobriety on the Olympic figure skating broadcast. Our friend Terry Gannon was.
0: So would you say that you have sartorial sobriety? I'm a
1: sartorial drunkard. Yeah. I'm wearing gray pants and a black shirt, so I, th- I would say that I'm about as, as sober, as, 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 sober as, a, as a judge or sober as a priest, literally, in the fact that I'm dressed in all black. Very Although good. Johnny Cash did the same, and he was notoriously non...
0: In his early years. In his
1: early years. This question came in on Twitter, which is what, at Ball and Chain Pod, is that At right?
0: Ball and Chain Pod, yes.
1: From Josette Ramirez, writes, I've been married 23 years and sent this list to my husband to pick up from Costco. Guess what He forgot. The list goes chicken tenders, tenders in all caps, yogurt, strawberries, blackberries, bananas, and a bag of spinach. I know what I would have forgotten. I would have forgotten the bag of spinach. Right. But the answer is the chicken tenders.
0: My guess is she needed the chicken tenders to make dinner and he needed the other stuff cuz he was going to make a smoothie, and so he made sure to get the stuff that he needed and he forgot the the main item on the list. Yeah, the protein or the whatever the item is that you can actually use for dinner. Is the one that you can't forget. I just like
1: that she put tenders in all caps because she knew he was this idiot would get and maybe just he chicken, would,
0: he may, or maybe he would get the he would get the breast or the he leg or, or, yeah, he know. was going to screw
1: up by getting the chicken. I like that he eliminated the middleman and just forgot the chicken altogether.
0: <laughs> At least I didn't get the wrong kind of chicken. <laughs>
1: In one episode of viewer mail, Rebecca, you mentioned, and maybe it wasn't viewer mail, but it was just the podcast. You it's mentioned just in the
0: podcast. I mentioned our neighbor across the street that I adore them, but she's five foot nothing, and I am six foot four. And that's when you asked, when you saw us across the street, you said, "How is it possible that you two are the same species?" But we are.
1: Well, funny you should say that because uh, we have this from Marty Bird, who writes, "Hi, Rebecca, Steve, and Denny with one N," and she does write Denny with one N. I'm Carrie, the Walnut Lender's tall twin sister. At five four, I tower over her. So, like, Carrie to...
0: is our, our neighbor across the street.
1: Yes, perhaps I shouldn't have mentioned that, but yeah. I did. She's her twin sister, yet she towers over her.
0: Because she's how tall? Five four. And Carrie is, we said, five foot nothing.
1: I told Carrie my life goal is to be mentioned on your podcast, and she begged me not to write to you. So, being a great sister, here I go. We applaud that.
0: Yes, I, I I'm very much in favor of. Writing to us and especially Def- defying your own your own twin sister. I think when when
1: your own sister or your own sibling defies you to do something, it compels you to do it. Well, of course, it, it doesn't matter it, it doesn't what matter, age you are. It yes. Matter. My question: Do your kids listen to the podcast? Are any topics off limits? Classroom Gas Corner made the cut. Classroom Gas Corner. <laughs> that, should that should have been the name of this podcast. Cgc. That should have been the name of this <laughs> podcast. Or we should have a segment on the cut I guess possibly with Dr. Gary Siegel weighing in. I called like it classroom gas corner. Classroom gas corner made the cut, but has anything been forbidden by the girls? For a number of years, I wrote a magazine column about my five beautiful children, and they reserved the right to censor. This destroyed some of my most hilarious bits. I advise you, don't let them listen. I'm your biggest fan in Roanoke, Virginia, if not the world. Thank you, Marty.
0: So, none of our children have ever listened to the podcast. I think our older two, in particular, our oldest, would be horrified because she's horrified by everything that we
1: do. She's but, 13, and... It's not because they've been forbidden. It's, it's they have total no apathy. And yeah, yeah. why would they?
0: Our, our oldest daughter, her her interest right now in terms of if she's going to spend some time doing something, it's watching Gilmore Girls. That's her new favorite show to watch. So they have no interest in it. But I bet they would be a little bit – they probably wouldn't want us talking about some of the things that we talk about that are related to them only because at that age – They don't want anything known about anything that they do. But I think we do a pretty good job of not talking very much about about them. We do our best to avoid them.
1: She adds a P.S. that I need to get in here. P.S. Do Tom, Dick, and Harry have a CD? Love them too. Ah. They do not have a CD as far as I know. They have plenty of videos, though, on YouTube and that that are posted on Facebook at their Tom, Dick, and Harry Facebook page. So if, if somebody who knows how to work Facebook better than I do knows how one would access that if you just
0: go into the search on facebook put in tom dick and harry a few come up including a a men's clothier theirs is the one that comes up musician band so encourage you to go to facebook check out tom dick and harry and they they should have some some songs whether it's on a cd or downloadable or whatever we got to talk to your brother about
1: that so for producer denny gallagher denny with one n Rebecca with two C's.
0: And don't forget, if you want to write us a letter or write us an email, it's at Paul and Chain.
1: <laughs> Paul and Chain?
0: It's at ballandchainpod at gmail.com. I'm sorry, I interrupted and Twitter you as I'm said this at, ba- at ballandchainpod, and Instagram is at ballandchain.
1: So, for Denny with one N, Rebecca with two C's, Gary with two R's, Rebecca, before Rebecca leaves me now for Eugene, the town,
0: not the man,
1: (laughs) Portugal, the man. If
0: I ever leave you, I'm pretty certain it won't be for someone named Eugene. (laughs) Just throwing that out there.
1: (laughs) we may hear from Eugenes out there. But uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry,
0: (laughs) please put us out of our misery. Put us out of our misery and play us out.
2: Six of us and a family pet living in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and fiduists, while we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.